Hello, my name is Carlos Lopez. I am the Global Programs Director for Magicians Without Borders, and I want to welcome you to episode 16 of our Magicians Without Borders conversations. To This week's theme is empowering children to become the best versions of themselves. And we have a great talk with a Tom Werner, our founder, and a friend called Magical Tony or Magic Tony. He is a magician from France who has created an organization called Magic Brothers World, a charity that brings magic and storytelling shows to orphanages around the world for children and for people in need of dreams. So uh, sit back, enjoy this episode. And a quick note before you enjoy the episode, please remember, if you want to learn magic, you can do so from us, from Magicians Without Borders. Please go to learn.magicianswithoutborders.com. Over there, you can see a course called Become a Magician. It is a self-paced online video magic course. You're going to learn magic and you can learn enough magic to put on a 30-minute minute show yourself. So remember, visit learn.magicianswithoutborders.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Magicians Without Borders Conversations. This is episode 16. And we're very excited because we're here with, uh, uh, as always, our founder, Tom Werner. How are you, Tom? I'm good, Carlos. I love that music. Awesome. It's pretty it cool. Pretty cool. Like, uh, like a djembe. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yes, yes. Tom, so thank you, as always, for being here. How's Vermont? Vermont, it was snowing. It's been snowing all day, very uh, lightly, but constantly. So it's starting to pile up a little bit, about four or five inches of snow today. And I was out stacking some firewood uh, to keep us warm through the winter. We burn wood here in Vermont. So it's good. Winter is definitely here. That's pretty cool, pretty cool, Tom. So good that you are joining us. I am seeing some people here. So hey, from the people in Twitch, we're doing this for the first time. So Luca07, hey, how are you? Um, and Maria. Hello, everybody. So it's pretty cool that we are uh, 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 plugging into new um, connections here. So uh, thank you, I, Luca, for being here. So we're going to talk about, you know, a empowering children to become the best version of themselves through magic, Tom. So with that introduction, Tom, um, what, what, when were you aware that magic could be used to empower children, Tom? Well, um, you know, our um, mission uh, is those three words to use magic to entertain, educate, and empower. And those three words uh, were thought up um, by Michael Muldoon, uh, six. Uh, 
six finger magic. And he just said, you know what our mission is to entertain, educate, and empower. And it was just perfect. So he recognized that what we are doing is uh, empowering uh, with and for the kids that we do it with. The first time I realized that was my very, very first trip. I think it was probably 2006 to El Salvador. And we went down there at the invitation of a rural health organization called Asa Prosar. And they had a number of programs, mainly a big health clinic in Santa Ana. But then they had, I think, 26 what they called nucleos. And they were preschools based mm -hmm. on a program that's here in the United States called um, Head Start. And it gives kids a head start before they start uh, grammar school, elementary school. So they asked us if we would do shows in all those nucleos. And it was an amazing trip out in the very, very rural pueblos um, of El Salvador, up on the sides of volcanoes, on coffee fincas, um, just amazing. It was wonderful. And we got back to uh, Santa Ana about, it took us about a week to do those 26 places. Um, most of the week was spent driving, which is a lot of what we do in Magicians Without Borders. Um, going uh, to far off 10 hours to a refugee camp, Janet and I did once. Anyhow, we got back and the head of Asa Prasar said, I have one more favor to ask you. She said, we have a group of children called the, um, on my Spanish, uh, it's one of those difficult words for me in Spanish, mm -hmm. Angelis Descalzos, the barefoot angels. And these were kids who had been living with their families in the garbage dump. And they were called barefoot angels because in the dump they had no shoes. And Asa Prasar got them out of the garbage dump into homes with their families. And they had been in school for a couple of years. And they were doing really well. About 12 of them were doing really well. And Dr. Guzman, head of Asa Prasar, said, would you be able to teach them uh, maybe some magic tricks and uh, to give them a reward for doing so well in school, these particular 12 kids. So we said, sure. So we spent the afternoon with 12 of them, happened to be six girls and six boys. And uh, it went it went really well. They loved the magic. They took to it. It did. Um, it went well. I'm packing up. The day has ended. The kids are still there. One of them, Jaime Zumba, he called himself Zumba. Zumba said, with these six words, he changed the entire direction of Magicians Without Borders. He said, when are you coming back? Oh, five words. When are you coming back? And I 
didn't know what to say. Um, this was my very first trip to El Salvador. I've been there now probably 30 times, but this was the first time I had no plans to come back to El Salvador or not to come. I hadn't gotten that far yet. So I started thinking this was January. I started, I said, I'll be back in May. We had other trips planned in between. So we went back and they um, met after school in an after school program that Asa Prasar ran. And they created like a little magic club among themselves. And they performed and I would uh, send them magic tricks. And then I got there in May and I went every, three times a year. And then that was not enough because I would only meet with them like, you know, like a few hours. So we went during vacation time and started these campamentos. And they would, we would go to a lake, Lake Cotapeque, and we would rent a place for five or six days. And we would just immerse ourselves in magic for five days. And we began to see that as they learned, practiced, and especially performed magic, things started happening to them. They not only developed self-confidence and discipline and focus and self-esteem, but something, things started awakening inside of them. And the first one was Wendy. Uh, Medina, and she said to me, you know, I've always wanted to be a nurse. And she sold dried beans in mm. the marketplace for 75 cents a day. And there was a nursing school about four blocks from the marketplace. And these nurses would go to the bus terminal. They had to cut through the marketplace and Wendy would see them. And she always had this dream, but it was impossible for her to become a, a nurse. But she all of a sudden started imagining it was possible. The impossible now seemed possible. And a friend of mine who I can talk about her, um, but she set up a scholarship fund for our magicians in El Salvador. And yeah. Wendy went to nursing school and Peter went to a culinary school and Maricela went to culinary school and Zumba became a computer. So that was my first experience of how learning magic and practicing it and performing it can truly empower people. Awesome, awesome, Tom. Tom, thanks for sharing that. And yes, I, I, I think that we've seen it uh, firsthand. Uh, and uh, we, we know, you know, we've talked about this in the show before. But I really think that there's something that's particular about magic, like, and, and I think I heard Michael Six say it. Um, he said that you could whisper something in a, in a kid's ear, right? A secret of magic. And now he knows something that nobody else knows or very few people know. So, so that gives him an empowerment. And the other part is that when you perform magic, you have to physically stand in a different position 
uh, and that's empowering because you, you need to stand in front of an audience and do something. So I think yeah. that's also a, a very, very empowering. But a, to hear more uh, about that, we've got uh, uh, a friend. Uh, his name is Magic Tony. And, you know, he created a wonderful organization called Magic Brothers World. That's a charity that brings magic and storytelling shows a and animation and support in orphanages around the world for children and for people in need of dreams. They have been in over 30 countries with over 100 volunteers, and they're, they're, they, they have done more than 250 shows. And, you know, they, on their website, they actually say that they use magic for, for empowering children to become the best version of themselves. So I would love to introduce Tony after this short clip. Here we go. friend tony how are you hello hello nice to meet everybody here how are you been doing hello good good so excited that you're joining us yes thank you very much for your invitation i'm here in paris it's 1 a.m and i woke up i heard oh there is an amazing story happening online we should join so here we are very happy to share all together so We're happy you're here. And for the great episode of Magician Without Borders. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. We're happy you're here. Yeah, we're happy you're here. We know it's late over there or early, however you want to look at it. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate that a lot. And well, Tony, before you tell us about uh, all this great charity work that you do, please, you know, just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us how did you get into magic? Yes, of course. So my name is Tony. I'm a magician from France and I've been doing magic since my very young age, about something like seven years old, between five and seven. Actually, I don't really remember because since I remember I was playing magic, but at this time I did not know it was called magic. So I was just picking stuff, making them disappear, having fun. And later on, I understood that that's what people call magic. And to remember my first trick was not actually with a human. It was with a dog. Very fun. That's how I was not shy. A dog cannot judge you, right? So I was just taking a, a tennis ball, making the ball disappear. And the dog was just running away and looking for the ball and running until it gets the ball. And then when I was making the ball reappear, the dog will come back and play again. He could play like that for 30 minutes, one hour, and he will never get tired. And I will never get tired neither. So ah, that's fun. Let's play that with my friends at school. Not saying that they think like dogs, of course not, but we are all the same, right? Even humans and animals, we all like to have fun. So I thought 
I went to school and I thought I will try to do the same tricks and see if it works with humans too. That would be fun. So I was just taking some rocks from the floor and I was just acting like throwing them in the sky and they would just disappear. And it was crazy when I saw my friend looking at the sky. I never threw anything, but I just acted. They look at the sky and the rock disappeared for them. I thought, oh, that's amazing. What works with the dog with, work with us too. So I just, that was my way to play when I was a kid. And that's how I guess I started into magic. Just having fun, playing with friends, dogs, animals. And since then, many things happened. I started doing professional show about 10 years ago. And since then, I'm traveling all around the world. You can see over there, many, many countries. I started to travel on my own and doing shows on my own, looking for charity venues, mostly orphanages, sometimes children's hospital. And then later, a few years later, we became more than 100 magicians with Magic Brothers World doing this kind of work for a season. It's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful adventure. When, when did you first start traveling, Tony, and doing uh, the Magic Brothers World work? Uh, that was 2014. I started to travel and I was doing charity shows for about a year in South America. Uh -huh. At this time, it was no Magic Brothers War. It was me knocking at the doors and many people say, no, we don't trust you. Don't get any close to the kids. And who are you? And you have a funny accent. No, thank you. And a few times I got good opportunities and people opened the doors to me and we did shows. It was great. So from that, we had few photos, few videos. And after a year knocking at many doors, I thought I should create something more organized. Then people will trust us. We'll trust what we do. We'll see experiences of other children. So I created the email. First, I was thinking Magic Brothers. I want to connect all the children around the world. I thought, yeah, Magic Brothers would be a good name. I started to make the email, the website, and then I thought, oh, wait. I saw something online. It, Magic Brother is a band, music band from the UK. I thought, oh no, I cannot use the same name. I have to use another name. So I came up with Magic Brothers World because I want to make Magic Brothers all around the world. So that makes sense. I checked online this time and this time, yeah, nobody was using the name. I created another email, another website, then share all the photos. And just after that, when I was knocking at the doors of orphanages, hospitals, I could show the website. I could show we have a lot of experience in different countries. And then the doors were opening. And when the doors opened, I could do more shows. And then I could get the interest of local magicians. And this is what we do with Magic Brothers World. We invite local magicians to perform together. Then we don't spend a lot of traveling fees for 50 magicians. It's usually just me traveling. Joining with local magicians, I do a lecture about Magic Brothers World, what we do, why we do it, invite local magicians to do the shows. Then when I continue traveling, this magician interested can continue to perform locally. So usually I'm the only one traveling. Sometimes some magicians want to travel with me, so they do, but at their own fees. We like to use our little funding of Magic Brothers World just for the children, for the charity shows, not for traveling fees or any other fees. This is how we work since 2015. So one year alone, and then from since 2015, we started the nonprofit Magic Brothers World, and since then, it's just growing and growing. Awesome. And by the end of September 2019, we finished with the six continents. 
So we could do shows on the six continents within five years. So it's been amazing. And I'm super happy about it. That's awesome, Tony. What a great story. So I'm hearing this picture that then I, 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 I'm guessing you're, you're, you know, get a, having new friends uh, uh, of the show. Is that, was that uh, the illusionists or what? Actually, yeah, I love this world of magic. It's a very small community and everybody knows everybody. So if you do something yeah. little bit different, people hear about it. They invite you to some events and that's great. This photo is from a charity show in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, 2018. So the organizer heard about the charity magic I was doing around the world. I was in Thailand at this time, so it was very easy to join. So he, he invited me to do the this charity show. Actually, it was in a theater with two levels, two stories. And the first story was for guests paying tickets, paying money for tickets. And the second story was only for children from different orphanages, from different parts of Kuala Lumpur. They were coming for free and we were entertaining them like everybody else. And we organized a lunch for them, had a lot of fun with all the children, even before the show, after the show. So it was a great weekend just for sharing with the children and some guests who wanted to support this initiative. So that was very, very nice show. Maybe you can recognize some of the magicians on the photos. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, this uh, next to me is Yuha Jin. He's been the world champion of magic. And th thanks to doing free magic show for kids, I got the opportunity to share the stage with the world champion of magic. So that's giving and taking. It's like karma. You give and you receive. So yeah. Yeah, very, very happy. And I was super happy to, to share the stage with him. That's that's wonderful, and uh, you know that that's pretty cool because some of the other shows are in places you know like this ones that we're showing in the, in, in in the pictures, and 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 the the, the audience uh, might be similar, but the venue changes. And yeah. When you're when you start doing a corporate shows, right? You you know you find different venues and you try to to get a different booking, but. Why did you first start to think charitable with magic? When did that come about in your in your experience? So when I started the magic professionally, I was in Canada. It was about ten years ago. It was in a university, and yeah, it was a great experience. It was in a, like. A, how do they call it? Cultural show. So everybody from different countries can show different things. I thought, yeah, I should show magic. That's my that's my stuff. It was a great experience performing for bigger audiences, hundreds, thousands. And then I was very busy with my studies at this time. But as soon as I finished to study, I started traveling. I wanted to travel. And I started with South America. Started to learn Spanish and I was looking for shows. But the problem is that I was spending a lot of time to try to get paid shows. And then I had only very little time for charity shows. But I always want to do charity shows. That was since ever. That's my way to play and have fun. So I thought, yeah, if I have the magic with me, why not sharing with more people who cannot really afford it? And it was much easier to organize charity shows. So I had more charity shows than paid shows. But I was spending a lot of time to do paid shows. And then at some point, some charity shows started to give me paid shows. I thought, oh, wait, that's very good. It's very hard to get paid shows unless 
you start to do charity shows. People see you walk, see what you do, they trust you, and then they offer you paid shows. I thought I should stop worrying about paid shows. I should do only charity shows. I can do much more, have much more fun, and no need to worry about anything. It's charity, so even if you do some mistakes, they don't take it very seriously. And then from some charity, if I get lucky, sometimes I may get paid shows. And that's when I started to shift over. I thought, okay, maybe paid shows is very hard to get. Maybe you need a manager. You need to do things much more professional. I'll focus on the easy thing. I'll focus on the charity magic. And that's when I started to do much more charity shows. So the photo here you see in Ecuador, the photo just before, if you can put it back, that's the first charity show I've done. It was in Peru, 2014. And that was in an orphanage. And I had a wonderful feedback about this show. And actually, uh, the lady on the photo is a psychologue from the orphanage in Peru. And she's the one who invited me to, to do this show. I was sharing my interest for doing charity shows in hospital, orphanages. She said, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm a psychologue in an orphanage. How about you come and you have fun and play some magic with the kids? I said, I would love that. So we did that in the summer 2014. Oh, when I say summer is for the Northern Hemisphere, it was June, July. May, April, April or May. I think okay. yeah, it was April 2014. So we went to the orphanage. We did the show with the kids. It was a great fun. At some point in the show, one of the kids was on stage with me. We were playing with sponge balls for the one who loved SpongeBob make things impossible very easily. So SpongeBob, very nice, very easy. The kids was laughing, of course, like all the kids when we do SpongeBob routine. And at the end of the show, the psychologue told me, oh, I have something to share with you. She told me that the kid that was laughing with me during the show is a kid that was living at the orphanage for three years already. So seven days a week and 24 seven. And she told me within three, three years, they never saw one smile. Not one smile in three years. And after a few seconds playing magic with me, he was just laughing and having fun with me. She told me what you did in few seconds is much more than what I was trying to do for the last three years. So she thanked me very much and she said, I hope you could continue to do that as long as you can. And I guess I follow her advice. And that's what I've been doing since then, since 2014. And now in a much bigger scale. So some charity experience can improve a lot your skills and lifestyle and make a lot of friendship and yeah this was the first shows we were doing on the charity so knocking at the doors yeah. and kids are busy they're playing a swimming pool not really ready for a show and then <laughs> it's much more organized you can do much bigger shows okay okay yeah so that that, that was what what i was gonna ask you know so the the from your experience sometimes when we do charity shows you know they they don't have a a, a venue that's special for magic or for performances so you have you have to adapt and you know get your show ready in whatever circumstance you're you're presented with so this is one where the kids were in swimming pools in mexico <laughs> <laughs> just tell us a little bit more about that how was how was it performing for the kids in the swimming pool that was interesting very very interesting actually that was in mexico i was in puebla for two days day one I went to this orphanage, knock at the door, say, hey, I'm a magician. I do shows in orphanages. I'm very happy to share magic with the children. And if you want, we can organize something. 
He said, yeah, sure, come back tomorrow. We'll have the kids ready, we'll do a great job. Wonderful. The next day I come to the orphanage, knock at the door and say, hey, I'm here, Tony, for the show. I say, who are you? What kind of show is what you're offering? It was another person at the door. They had no idea what was happening. And they said, can you come back maybe next week? We can organize something better. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm leaving Mexico tomorrow. Uh, actually, tonight, I have only today left. But yeah, if you want, we can just improvise something. And say, yeah, sure, but half of the kids are not here. The other half are being in the swimming pool. I said, no worries. I can adapt to any kind of place. <laughs> and then it was big chaos. <laughs> All the kids, they were already having fun. I thought, oh, should I let them play in the swimming pool? Or should I join and do some magic? Oh, I'm not so sure. But yeah, well, as soon as I started to do the magic, I got all their attention and then we started the show. But yeah, when you have kids playing in the swimming pool and you're doing a show next to them, it can get a bit messy. A lot of water on your props, on your clothes. <laughs> but most importantly, that they had fun. So that was the most important for me. And I was thinking it would be nicer to share with everybody because if you do shows for only half of the children, the other half may be missing and maybe the next day the children enjoying the magic say, oh yeah, it was great, it was wonderful. And the other half maybe feel like they missed something. So I thought more about that later and that's why I tried to get more organized for the following shows. I thought that's good experience for the few kids, but maybe we can do much better. So after this kind of shows, knocking at doors and doing magic shows in swimming pools, I said, let's get more organized and create Magic Brothers World. That's why it came up. <laughs> it was a necessity. Pretty cool, pretty cool. That's when I came back oh, yeah, with Magic Brothers World. You can see the difference, right? From yeah. staying in a swimming pool to a full orphanage, all organized for the show. So that was the difference between Tony knocking at doors alone and then Magic Brothers World International traveling in Peru. So it works better when you're more organized. That's the proof in image. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Where are you here? Going to very poor areas. You can see on the top of this photo, there are houses where the kids live, actually. Many of yeah. them, they don't go to school anymore. They're just street kids trying to cook some bakeries at night and selling during the day. Some of them specialize in pickpocketing. It's one art of magic, but they use it not for very good things. <laughs> so very difficult lifestyle for these kids. And you can see I'm in the middle of them with a lot of props and coins in my pockets. And it's very, very safe because I believe that when, what you give from the kids is what they receive. So if you mistreat them and you don't behave nice to them, they will do the same, become pickpocket and thieves. But if you're being very nice to them and you share love and magic with them, that's what they give to you back. So very safe place in between these little monsters, as you like to call them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. And now the shows get more organized, I see. Yeah, much more organized. We like to do opening of schools. So this is in the same area in Peru, in Trujillo, in north of Peru. So what we like to do is uh, the day of the school opening, we go on the street, we do some magic for street children, and then we tell them we have a big show for free at the school in the afternoon. So if you want, you are more than welcome. Join us with your friends, and we'll have a lot of fun together. So when the kids see an international magician, well-dressed on the street, saying, come to the school, it's a free show, yeah, you can get 
you can guess they all join the school. So in the afternoon, all the street kids are in the school, all the students, all the teachers, some of the parents. We do a great show. The kids get to make friendship. And then we hope that they stay longer at school. So that's a trick to bring back children from the street to the school. And that works very, very well. The teachers and directors are very, very happy with this strategy to trick the kids, <laughs> bring them back to school. <laughs> cool. Very Pretty cool trick. I, I, I like it. I like it already. And yeah, that was same year, 2015, when I came back in South America, but this time with the organization, Magic Brothers World. So first I was performing alone, and little by little I got more interest from local magicians. So that, that's an orphanage I performed in 2014 alone. I came back the next year. I was amazed. When I knocked at the door of the orphanage, they could see me through the, through the, through the gates, and they all remember my name. Oh, Magic Tony, Magic Tony. In South America, they call me Mago Tony. So everybody, oh, Mago Tony, Mago Tony. And I was super surprised because the previous year I did a show. I never mentioned my name in the show. I never talk about who I am and I just do my stuff. I don't say, oh, I'm Tony. I'm an important magician. Remember me, please. Never. I just do my stuff. And one year later, they all know my name and remember me. I was woo, super happy. And this time I came with more local magicians and they had a great fun. And they continue to do shows yearly, sometimes for the Day of the Children, sometimes for special events, birthday parties at the orphanage. And I was very happy to see the magic process for starting to get movements. So then I could continue traveling and they could continue to perform. I will not have to come back every year. That's pretty interesting. So tell us a little bit more about that, about how, how magicians, a magic brothers world it works and, and, and where you got that idea of, you know, getting in, in, in touch with local magicians and then having like a recurring venue uh, uh, in the local communities that you visit. How did you actually, how did you actually contact, the, uh, connect with the local magicians? First challenge was to learn Spanish. <laughs> no. But that was a lot of fun. Actually, it took me more than 10 years to learn English. And I've learned English for less than 10 years. But it took me 10 years in the past to learn English very hard. I thought maybe I'm not very good for language. But then I went to Latin America and I've learned Spanish. I've learned my show within 10 days. I thought, what? I can't be almost fluent in Spanish in 10 days. So maybe I'm not so bad in language. Maybe it's more the way to learn. So I was learning Spanish, doing my shows for kids in Peru. So I thought, oh, yeah, that's something I love to do. So, of course, I will learn faster. That was the first challenge, but it took me 10 days. So I thought, oh, yeah, good. I was planning a few months to learn Spanish, to be honest. And after 10 days, I could be fluent. I thought, yeah, I can develop much faster, actually. And then the idea to contact local magicians is because when I started, I felt that the kids had a great time. And they always asked me, when do you come back? When do you come back? Like you, Tom, same stories, always. Of course, they want to have more. Yeah. So I was thinking, yeah, maybe I can come back next year. And I did come back the following year. But then I thought, I cannot go back every year to all these places I want to go. It's not enough days in a year. And that's why I thought maybe local magician would do a much better work than I do. Because I just come here, put some magic in there, and then maybe just disappear with time, just fade away. So I thought local magician could be much more helpful than what I do. And that's my trick for local magicians.
I invite them, bring them to the show. At the end of the show, the director is asking, when do you come back? The kids want to see you again. And I tell them, oh, guess what? I'm traveling the country. I'm going out next week. But this magician live here. So you're more than welcome to take their contact and have them again to come anytime you want. And this trick worked too. So that's what they did. And now they continue performing. Uh-huh. And to contact them, the local magician, it actually is very pretty easy because like I was saying, it's a very small community. Everybody knows everybody. So now when I want to go to a country, I don't know any magician. I just post online, oh, do you know any magician in this country? And usually I get recommendations from like kind of famous magicians in the local country. And then we organize a lecture together. I get to the country, I share a lecture on Magic Brothers World, why we do it, what do we do and how we do it. And then interested magicians join us for the shows. We organize shows together and then they continue if they want to continue and they don't have to, it's all free and up to them. No requirements. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Very good. Thank you, and it works super well. And local magicians are super happy to perform with what they call an international magician. For them, it's great experience. Then the experience for the first time, charity shows for some of them. And yeah, it's something when you start, you just feel in love with it. So for many people. So yeah, and then they just continue and they're very grateful. And actually, many charity magicians from Magic Brothers World, they did their first professional shows with me on stage, doing charity shows. So usually, you know how magicians work, right? For many years, they practice in their home, and they do a lot of things, and they're very shy, super shy, to share in front of a big audience. Sometimes even shy to share to their family. It's just for them. And then we do the charity shows together. I tell them, no worries. We go to the orphanage, never saw magic before. You do anything for half an hour, they will love it. Just for you being here, just for them, they will love that. Do anything you feel like it, and you'll see what happens. And they try, it works super well, then they get much more confident, and then they start to get professional paid shows. So it's a very, very good way to start. Many magicians think, oh, I'm not good enough. So do charity shows, no expectations. Practice with really, They really get to practice performing and becoming comfortable. That's not a secret anymore. Magician, we have many secrets. This one is not a secret. Practice, right. practice makes it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, now, can you just talk a little bit about the empowerment part of Magic yeah. Brothers World? So we believe that if someone doesn't believe in something, that will not really happen easily. But when someone starts to get the idea of, oh, that might be possible, then they are opening doors to the possibilities. And we are using magic in this way. So first, we give some things to do to the kids. Like we give the linking rings. Do I have some linking rings? Yes, linking rings. We give it to them. They try to link them together. It doesn't work. Then we give a little bit of magic dust. Uh, We have the other kids to say abracadabra. And when they say abracadabra, they try, and then they can connect the links. And when they can do the magic themselves, very, very easy trick. They start to believe in themselves. Sometimes we do with sponge balls, it's in my hand, and then they say abracadabra, it didn't disappear. We put some magic dust, they say abracadabra again, they blow on it, and then it disappears. They thought, wow, I did the magic. That's what they think. And when they think they are capable of the impossible, everything becomes possible. And we like to focus them on believing in their dreams. We ask them, what do you want to become when you grow up? What's your dream job? What you would love to do in your life? What you would love to do tomorrow if you had magic powers? And then they start expressing 
And many people, children and adults, all their lives, they never had the chance or the opportunity to express what they would love to do. They just follow the path. They go to school, pay taxes and die, as I explained to some of the children. Yeah. But that's not life, right? It's surviving, it's not thriving. So by explaining the kids that anything is possible when you believe in it, then using tricks help them to believe in that. So it's why the message is very, very important with magic. We could make them believe almost anything we want because we can do the impossible. So that's why it's super powerful and the empowerment is strong with the children. And so, so do you yes. um, like do that in an orphanage? You might spend uh, a day or two with them uh, teaching them magic or how does that work? So I usually don't do this way. Usually I go with local magicians and we just do the show to open up for the children. Oh yeah, that's magic is possible. During the show, we do this work. Within this one hour show, we create this work. We bring one volunteer on stage. He tries to do the magic. It doesn't work first. And we explain to him, oh, did you believe in it? Ah, oh, you didn't. So you have to believe in it. And then all the friends, they say together, abracadabra, or whatever was the use for that in this country. And then it works. So during the show, the empowerment starts already. When they see that they could do the magic on stage in front of all their friends and get applause from all their friends, oh, that is the empowerment. Then they feel super strong and they feel they could do anything. And then local magicians continue the work after that. They either do shows, workshop, activities. It's up to them. Up to them what they want to do and up to the children what they would like to learn from them. Okay. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. I love how... how that you know empowerment uh, angle where uh, you work with uh, magic and super strong yes i think it's super strong because the 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 me metaphor there it's very visual right you you see it you experience it and then it's it's it might be easier for kids to 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 say oh if i could do this then you know anything can happen and and, and you know to bring that that um, me metaphor to life Definitely, uh, I think it's 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 very strong and, and well, it's not easy to do, but that's a start, I think. And, and it's, but really, it's and very easy, right? Take a ball, yeah. make it appear. It doesn't take too much time. It's very very easy for us, and because we love it, we could spend hours and nights playing with it. So yeah. I think it it could be very easy. And if you are not comfortable with sponge balls or coins or cards, do anything you want. You can do things like that for kids. Oh, like that. And they will love it. You can play for one hour with, with a pen. They will love it. Anything you do, they love it because they feel like kids, they need a lot of attention. And when you come just for them, they feel it. And whatever you do, they will just enjoy it. So even silly things like that, you can teach them tricks like that, like that. Wow, amazing. And they will just love it. For them, it's an activity. And like I said, for magicians who are scared to perform on stage, I say, no worries. If a magician fails on stage, he becomes a clown. And it's still fun. So no risk. <laughs> just go on stage, practice, become a magician, or be a clown sometime, and it's fine. So that always works for children. And especially if it's charity show, very little expectation. They just want to feel your presence and sharing your time, your energy with them. And if you have some magic, it's even better. Awesome, awesome, Tony. It's just wonderful to hear you. Have, and hear have you been able to do any kinds of uh, 
Zoom or virtual shows or virtual during the pandemic? So my last, um, my last tours were at the end of February. I was performing in Myanmar and Thailand. Yeah. And then something wonderful happened, a pandemic. I was dreaming of having one year locked in a room. Then I could work on all my projects. I hope it didn't come from me, but this pandemic <laughs> happened and I could develop all this project. So I'm developing a tour of six months in the US to do paid shows and charity shows. Paid shows are funding the charity shows. And I wrote a book. I was working on it for two years and I finally got it. So without the pandemic, I think I would have another five, 10 years before to finish it. So I finished that. I do. I did all the paperwork for Magic Brothers War, all the not so much interesting things like the accounting and the, all the emails and things. So a lot of things I could have done thanks to this pandemic, if I can say it like that. I think in any situation you have good and positive and negative sides. Sure. And I like to, put it, to focus on the positive. So yeah, I can say this pandemic helped me to focus on different things. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of Zoom meetings and Zoom shows. I didn't promote it. I was very, I was dreaming of having one year locked in a room. So I enjoy all the minutes, all these minutes of this of this time. Yeah, Some asked me for Zoom shows and Zoom workshops. So I did few of them, but I didn't promote it to get many. So just the one of the people who were asking me. I didn't do any charity Zoom meeting. It was only paid meetings for funding the Magic Brothers War. Uh -huh. what, so what, I, is, uh, what is the book about? So um, actually, my biggest passion is not magic. Surprise. Mm. I use magic only as a tool. And because it's a super powerful tool, I think it's great. And that's probably my best tool. But my main focus is into health and happiness, how to get people healthy and happy. And my book is about health and happiness. So it's an introduction to naturopathy, nutrition, and natural health, how to be healthy and happy with what you have around you. No need to buy expensive things to be healthy. It usually comes from you, not from outside. And exactly the same with happiness. Yeah. Health and happiness is very well connected. I always explain that if you have too much health, not much happiness, it's boring. Life is really boring. Too much happiness, no health, you die. So you need to balance. Little bit of health, little bit of happiness, and then, yeah, it goes very well. So uh, that's very, very happiness. connected to each other. Very, yeah. I, I, I totally believe that also. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, we would love to know when the when that book is ready because the, I mean, ready published and everything because we would love to have it, and I'm pretty sure that many of our friends as well. Thank you. Actually, this book was not from classes. I was teaching about health and happiness in Thailand recently, and this book was actually not from my teaching. And then I thought, oh, yeah, it's a pandemic. Maybe I should make it more like a book instead of not to read from here and there, make it more organized. So I made it up for my students first, for the students I was teaching. And then I thought, oh, I think it could be useful for more people than just the students I'm teaching to. So I finished the first version at the end of August. So first version was finished. And since first of uh, since August, 
we got four versions, version one, two, three, four. <laughs> and about 10 days ago, I finished version four. I was working for a little bit on it, that's done. And now I sent it for uh, correcting English grammar and vocabulary because English is not my first language. And you can guess, maybe when I talk, it's a bit funny <laughs> sometimes, but more important, we understand each other, right? No, but it's very guys. good, very good. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Merci. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For a book, it's better if it's not just understandable. It's, I think, easier to read uh -huh. it better English for most of children yeah. around the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a book in English, of course, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's ready. I'm very happy to share it if you want. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah. I have actually enjoyed a lot about the pandemic myself. You know, being home, also writing, reading. Um, you know, we've been doing some virtual shows with our students, with our young kids. Um, but it's been good. Actually, yeah. So, how are we doing there, Carlos? How are we doing on time? We're doing fine. We're doing fine. Uh, Tony, I love like you know your as I said your energy, your your commitment to your projects, the your you're wanting to do many projects and expand on each of the of the things that interest you. I think that's very inspiring, and uh, I really hope that you know from now on. Uh, from now on, no, like, like continually, you can you can uh, start uh, keep creating and and producing all the work that you do. That I think it's just wonderful, and we feel just so so lucky that you're here with us today. Thank you so much. I always share that the biggest limitation we have in our life, most of the times, they come from our head. Pandemic is not the end of the world. It's just a limitation from outside. If you start to limit yourself from inside, that's when you get real limitations. You always have opportunities in life. When you start to put limitation in your head, that's when you get stuck. So yeah, life is not, not never straight. You always have some challenges. And I don't like to say I have a barrier on my way. I see it as a challenge. And the goal is not to get stuck, is to jump on top of it or go on the side. Always possibilities. When you have imagination, anything is possible. So imagine your way out. Imagine a way to get things better. Imagine whatever you want to do in life, and you might find the right tools to do it. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool and you can see how that's so related uh, to magic. You know, of course. Uh, imagination and possibilities. Yeah. Of course. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Uh, Tony, a... Uh, what do you think are the main takeaways or your ma main learnings that you have had in, in these years that you've been with Magic Brothers World that you, you know, still apply today or, or you know, have, have, have had, you know, main learnings that you still use uh, from, from your years at Mag Magic Brothers World? My, I think my um, most important learning is to keep your mind open to any possibilities, to anything, especially when traveling. Sometimes you start judging people on things they do, or you don't really understand them and you judge them. You say, oh no, they don't do that right, or they should do it this way, or they should do that this way. And that's often the eye of the foreigner traveling in another country, judging others. And that I think is when they stop learning. I think when you start judging, you stop learning. Instead of judging, 
I've learned to observe without any judgment. And when I start to understand the people, then it makes much more sense what they do and why they do it. And from all these travels, I like to take the best things for me and to leave the things that I'm not very interested. And from all these different cultures and backgrounds, I got my heart full of experience and love and happiness. And I'm super, super proud and grateful for that. So that's probably my biggest day. I've learned a lot from two kinds of people, from the children and from the dying people, very old people dying. These people, they always have regrets and the regrets are always the same. Instead, too much time for work, too much time doing things that doesn't really matter, not for me, for others, always saying yes to everybody, never yes for myself, and not enough traveling, not enough fun, not enough time for myself. And I thought, oh, wait, wait, why they all complain about the same things? I'm young, I have energy, I have a little bit of saving, I should do everything they have regrets for. So I travel, I have fun, I make great experiences, and they always say, often say that the last thing you have at the end of your life, if you are lucky, it's your memories. So I'm creating a wonderful retirement right now with this great life experience. And I can retire and smile all the time with all these memories. That's what I've learned from the very, very old people with a lot of experience and a lot of regrets. And what I've learned from the kids is that you can always improve yourself. Because sometimes you do magic for adults, they say, oh yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, maybe they saw something, they don't tell you. Uh, when you speak a foreign language, adults are very polite. They say, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, you speak very good, very good. But sometimes you do a lot of mistakes. Kids, they don't do that. They have no filters. They say, ah, that's funny how you say that. Why you say that this way? And they explain to you the right way to say it. They tell you when they see something in your hands, you hide, oh, nothing in my hands. And they can see. They say, yeah, 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 I can see. Oh, okay, sorry. You can improve much faster with children who are very honest. No filters. Something wrong, they tell you right away. So that's what I've learned, I think, the most from the two kind of people in my travels. That's pretty cool. And to to end this, Tony, we, we always ask one question, and it's, do you think that you, Tony, uh, are a different person because of the work that you've done with Magic Brothers World? And if so, in what way? Mm, maybe, yeah. I will say that before Magic Brothers World, I was dreaming my life. I had a lot of dreams and projects and it was only in the back of my head for my childhood. And then after starting Magic Brothers War, I'm not dreaming my life, I'm living my dreams now. And that's happening, that's real. So that's probably what changed me from someone very passive and looking at projects to someone living my life as a dream. So now I'm very, very active, proactive, and I don't think about things too much. I just act and perform. I want to do something, I get organized for it. I don't think, oh, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, no more procrastination. I want something, I do it. I do everything I can in order to achieve it. Uh-huh. Very good. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I love it. I love it. So, uh, to end this, we always have uh, uh, a little, you know, fundraising moment in this uh, in this uh, show, so this fun uh, fundraising mo moment is going to be for Magic Brothers World. So if you oh, visit that link, you. <laughs> you a, a donate button, and if you you know like this kind of work that empowers children to be the better versions of themselves, please do check that out. Go to magicbrothersworld.wixsite.com/magic, and you can see there a big button, 
uh, for donations that will take you to a uh, to a GoFundMe page, and you can you know a uh, thank you so much that way. And I mean, Tony, this has been great. We love having you here. Your work it's inspiring, it's uplifting, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you for doing it. You know, the world needs more more people like Tony. And we're so glad that you, you know, we crossed paths and we're sure that this is not going to be the last time that we see each other and we hope to do something uh, together in the future. I would love that. And I'm planning to go to the U.S. in 2021, if, if it's possible. And if it's not possible, I'll still go because I want to. <laughs> well, the US, well, I would love to join you in Colombia too. So U.S. and Colombia, I'm on the way. Well, I would really love, I'd love to help you with the uh, U.S. Uh, tour. You know, I have lots of interesting friends who live all across the United States and uh, they would love to put you up, you know, oh, in their home. It would be a big help because that's the most challenging at the moment is to contact the venues to do charity shows. So you contact yeah. them would be really, really super helpful. Thank yeah. you very much, Tom. And uh, we would love to help you. So let's stay in touch, please. Sounds great to me. Let's make the magic happen. <laughs> let's make it happen, Tony. Thank you. Bonsoir. Bye-bye. Tony, thank you so much for being here. Everyone, have a great, great rest of your day and rest of your week. See you next Thank you. Time. Bye. Okay. Thank you.